Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to episode 93, Little House on the Prairie Museum 2017. And this is your host, uh, Sarah Utoff, the creator of Trundle Bed Tales. Find us around the web under Trundle Bed Tales and on your, on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find our show which is, of course, Trundlebed Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic food waste, one-room schools, and other social media. Now, before we get going with our guest, I want to do just a little housekeeping. And I want to make sure that you know you can be a part of the show. You can call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free 1-877-633-9389. And that's toll-free 1-877-633-9389. And I am going to try and see if the chat is going to work today, and if it does, it looks like it is. We are hoping. Still loading. All right, well, if the chat decides to finish loading, then you can also chat in that way, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. We're going to be having um, a this month in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom. It might be later this week. We may end up having to push it to next week. We'll see. And then we have an interesting guest lined up for our October interview too, which is going to be talking about the TV show sites that you can visit. And with that, I think that's about all our housekeeping. And we are going to bring in our guest now. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much. Well, I was very glad that you could come on because uh, you are from the Little House in the Prairie Museum site in Independence, Kansas. And that is a site that doesn't tend to get quite as much um, exposure, I would say, as some of the other sites. So um, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I am part of the family that runs it. Um, I grew up in Wichita, but we always came down to Independence uh, every other weekend to see my grandparents who ran the site. And um, so Little House in the Prairie Museum started in 1977, and I was born in 1980. So Laura has always been kind of the wallpaper of my life. <laughs> has always, you know, Little House on the Prairie has always been there. And um, now I have a son, and 
um, he's getting to experience all this. We go out there, you know, several several times a week, and he's getting to experience all of it. So. Well, that is a pretty nice wallpaper to have, though I understand what you mean. It just things tend to be just sort of a part of your life. Now, let's let's back up a little bit um, and tell us exactly where you're located. Okay, we're in Independence, Kansas. I live about, well, we're not in Independence. We're 14 miles or 13 miles southwest of um, Independence, Kansas, and um, we're near, um, I live in Sudan, which is about 20 miles from the site. And um, there's all these major highways that are near the site. There's 75, there's 169, um, there's 400. And so we get a lot of visitors that are driving by and are like, what's that? And then come back. Um, but we also get a lot of children and um, families and, um, you know, local people to international people. So... Now, and uh, people, I think, sometimes confuse Independence, Missouri with Independence, Kansas, but you're nowhere near each other. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that happens a lot. So Independence, uh, Missouri, is about as far north as you can get towards the top of Kansas, near Kansas City. And Independence, Kansas, I always say, is so far south, you can see the Will Rogers Expressways from there. Uh <laughs> Near uh, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, there was a um, a person doing the Laura um, reenactor kind of thing this weekend in Independence, Missouri, and people thought it was here. <laughs> so um, I was like, no, we're pretty far away. <laughs> now, um, you... Uh, um, Laura had not really a good idea where the independence site was. She knew it was somewhere around independence, but uh, the, the number they throw around the books is 40 miles. But frankly, somebody in that family or maybe everybody in that family just had no distance sense whatsoever because almost all the distances are wrong. So uh, how did they actually find your location? Well, in Laura's kind of defense, um, Paula had to cross the Verdigris River, um, Onion Creek, Walnut Creek, and probably a dozen other creeks to get to Independence. So it probably seemed like 40 miles um, when he did it like that. Um, you know, he probably had to go left and right and avoid the the big river and, and avoid a lot of the... Uh, territory that was not good for crossing. So on our farm alone, we have the Onion Creek and a lot of other creeks. And our farm is 800 acres and includes 10 acres um, where the museum is. <clears throat> and what happened was, so Laura thought it was in Oklahoma, and um, they were going to write out Kansas completely from the from the books. And they actually came out with, excuse me, um, they came out with a book that, if you remember the books, it was a blue book. You know, I grew up with the yellow books. It's funny how mm -hmm. all the different generations 
identify with the covers that they that they had at their during their time. And mm-hmm. so the the covers that I identify with are the yellow ones. And um I saw a post somewhere about, you know, um like this if you identified with and it was the next generation of books that came out and I was like, No, mine are yellow but um <laughs> they came out with a blue set that had Oklahoma everywhere. And um Garth Williams even tried to find it as well. And so they thought it was closer to Bartlesville and Dewey. So what happened was um, when they said, okay, we're going to write Kansas out, there was a researcher named Mark, um, Ellen Charbo, and she worked at the Kansas State Historical Society, and she was like, this can't happen. So she started pouring through the research, and she found the Ingalls in the census, the 1870 census. And um, she found the family, and including Carrie. So that what she did was she wrote Rose a letter and said, can you check the family Bible for birthdays? And, and um, can you check Carrie uh, for birthdays? And in the family Bible that's in Mansfield, it says Carrie, and then it says Rutland Township, which is where the farm is, It's which is... Um, 13 miles outside of Independence. And um, so that cinched it, that um, it was in Kansas. So they, they put they kept Kansas in the book. Then about a few years later, um, Margaret Clements um, wanted to figure out which farm Little House on the Prairie happened on. So she, she took an 1880 plat map that has the names of the people that lived on each farm. And then, so she started a map, basically, and of all of Rutland Township. And then she she correlated that map with land records from the 1870 era. And she, she, got, she mapped out the entire thing and the spot that was left, since we all know Charles Ingalls didn't um, claim land. Um, that was what was left. And then she went to that to the farm, which was our farm, which is called the Lucky Beck, and um, found the well that was behind the house. And it fit all of the, you know, it was it was about a mile from Ed Mason's claim, which is um, also on the farm. And Ed Mason, people think, is Mr. Edwards. And then the Gilmores were about half a mile away, and um, so all the land um, pieces fit, and that's how they figured out um, it was our farm. So then she came to my grandparents and um, said, you know, this is, uh, I believe this is Little House on the Prairie, and where the Ingalls lived. And so they put a sign up in... I can't remember exactly, maybe 1969, before the show happened. And then um, they kept getting people coming, and and across the street my uncle owns, and um, that prairie has never been cultivated. It's pristine virgin prairie. So people could really get a sense of what 
it looked like when the Ingalls were here. And so anyway, it, it kind of developed from there, and then the TV show happened, and they started the site in 1977. So... Now, when they were kind of uh, setting up, I think when they went to build the, the replica cabin, they had found some stuff. What kind of things did they find? Well, I forgot to mention, so after the 1870s, um, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was in Wayside, which is about a mile oh, away. Oh, and that. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because I forgot something, too. We didn't say their name. You probably want to put your grandparents' oh, name. My grandparents are Wilma and Bill Curtis with a K. And um, my mother is Jean, and then my uncle is also Bill Curtis. And um, he's a – my mother was a legislator for, and from Wichita and a speech pathologist, and then – my uncle is a journalist in Chicago. So, and um, he uh, was on A&E forever, and then he he did the news um, in Chicago. Uh, he was the anchor for Chicago News, WBBM, for um, many years. And uh, yeah, if they don't, if you don't recognize the name, I'm guessing that if you saw the face or heard the voice, you'd know yeah. he has a very good anchor voice. Yeah, he was actually he he did the narration for the movie Anchorman, and um, he just did a commercial with Taylor Swift actually <laughs> for AT and T. So he's he's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. But um, so my great grandfather lived in Wayside, and he came in the 1880s, and um, he started oil, you know, uh, oil company. And, oh, the Lucky Beck is named after, there was an oil company that was on the land called the Lucky Beck, and that comprised um, Mr. Edmonds, Edmund Mason's claim, and um, so that that's why it's called the Lucky Beck. And then... He started buying up, um, my great-grandfather, Bert Horton, started buying up farms, and um, he bought the Lucky Beck. He never lived there. Um, and in between the Ingalls and uh, my gran- great-grandfather buying it, there was other people. There were other people that lived there, and um, that's when the farmhouse was built in the 1880s. But we'll we'll get to that later. Um So he bought the Lucky Beck, and then my grandmother inherited it, and they started the site in 1977, and then we've just continued it. And we've been, since 1977, every year um, we get people from all seven continents, not not Antarctica, obviously, but um, (laughs) all six continents, and then every state, and we get about 25,000 visitors a year. So... Well, Laura is really known worldwide, and your site is the one that uh, is named after the most associations. So it's uh, I'm not surprised that lots of people come. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people have been coming lately because of Ree Drummond. We're on the way to um, her Pioneer Woman site in Bartlesville. She's oh, really? Yeah. She's on yeah, the Food I'm, Network. 
uh, actually, my mom and my and one of her cousins are always doing pioneer woman stuff. They buy each other presents, kind of as a joke and kind of not for their birthdays that are pioneer woman things. So that's, well, I that's just cool. went down there, and um, every we get people coming back and forth from pioneer woman. I mean, from all over the country, and um, there is a line starting at like six o'clock in the morning outside her restaurant. She has a restaurant and shop in Bartlesville. And then you can go to the um, place that she films, which is like the lodge or something. And Mm -hmm. people stand in line, like, all the way down the block every single day. Really? Yeah, it's really pumping new life into into, uh, Pahuska, Oklahoma. Well, that that is very good, because that area of the country could use a little pumping. Yeah, and... They are only 45 minutes from us. So um, they, you know, the main highways that they use, they go right by us. So a lot of people stop in, you know, before or after and tell us all all their experiences. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like it. I I wouldn't have made that connection. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. and then so my grandparents started the site, and um, do you want me to talk about the buildings? Um, or did you yeah, have another you can, question? Uh, you can go ahead with the buildings. Okay. Well, so what happened was in Wayside in 1872, um, they built the Sunnyside School about three miles away from um, Wayside. And... So it would have been right after the Ingles left. They left in 1871. And um, they closed it down in the 50s, and then it went up for auction. And my grandmother's mother actually taught there in the one-room schoolhouse in 1901. So they moved that over. Um, Speaking of her, her mother, so my great-great-grandmother, was actually a patient of Dr. Tan. Oh, really? Yeah, she had heart trouble, and he would come down. He, you know, lived in Wayside, and um, he would come down. I've done a extensive research on Dr. Tan, and um, with the help of Susan Thurlow and Nancy Cleveland, um, we've done extensive research on him, and he would come down from the hill and come down to the the homestead, which is where my great-grandfather lived, and they would treat my great-great-grandmother. And my her daughter, my great-grandmother, my grandmother's mother, <laughs> um, remembers hiding behind the door and watching him and, um, you know, being really curious what they were doing and stuff. So she actually was a patient of his. Well, it's nice to have a, a connection there, too. Yeah, and um, so anyway, they moved the schoolhouse over to the property, and um, it's from 1872, and it's all the original desks and all the original stuff is still in it. And um, then they moved the post office, which is also from that era. It's from, like, 1880-something. I can't remember the exact date. And... They moved that over. That closed in the 70s. 
And so it was in operation for almost 100 years, and it's a little <clears throat> postage stamp size post office. And um, I remember my grandfather knew some of the combinations, and the names are still on the other side of the little boxes and everything. And um, then they built the log cabin um, with help from local uh, community members. They built the log cabin and um, from local, tr you know, like trees that were on the property and the stones were on the property, and they used everything they could from the farm. And it was built with the help from the JCs, which is like a um, service group. Yeah, kind of like the Lions Club or something. And they tried to make it exactly how Laura wrote in the book. And with her research with um, Garth Williams, you know, they researched the original ways to build it. And um, the only differences, I've been told the only differences in this cabin are the roof instead of slats, you know, instead of like long slats, um, they use shingles so it would last longer, wooden shingles. And then I've been told that the direction of the floorboards is different. Either either Laura's cabin went left to right or front to back and ours goes the opposite direction. But the door, the windows, the walls, the chimney, the mantle, um, especially the door. The door is built precisely the way that um, Laura describes it in the book and the mantle as well. So, and it's a little dilapidated now, and that's why we're trying to raise money to rebuild it. And um, oh, and then there's the farmhouse, which was from 1880, and then a barn that my great grandfather built in 1914. I'm oh, sorry, 1920, and um, it's a red barn, and we've got a, a barn quilt on it, and. The barn quilt is Laura's favorite pattern, um, doves in the window. That was on her bedspread um, when um, Almanzo built their home. He went and got her bedspread and hope chest from her parents. And when he took Laura into the home for the first time, that was there to surprise her. So we built a... Um, barn quilt which is a board that has the pattern painted on it and then it's mounted to the top of the barn and it was built it was painted by um a group here in kansas that is a local high school group that builds barn quilts for everybody and um then the farmhouse is from the 1880s and it is called an eye house because it's the architectural term, because it kind of looks like there's two eyes on the second floor. And um, you can tell that everybody was a lot smaller back then in girth, because the stairs to the second floor are very, very narrow. And um, that's where the gift shop is. And Not upstairs. You don't upstairs. have to go up the very narrow no, no. <laughs> but you, you know, it's such a small world. 
um, we found out that, uh, well, I found out. I guess it was well-known in my family. I just never knew. But it's it goes to prove what a small world it is because it's the seven degrees of separation between O.J. Simpson and uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, I know that sounds crazy. Um, O.J.'s wife, uh, Nicole, her grandfather lived in that house. Oh, really? And Yeah, he's buried in Caney, which is three miles away, and his name was, um, it's either William or Henry Hezekiah Brown Sr., and he was a ranch hand for my great-grandfather. And as my great-grandfather never lived in, he lived in Wayside at the homestead. You know, like I said, he, he bought up farms, and when my great-grandfather died, each of his six children got a farm, my grandmother getting that one. And, um, oh, it's Lewis, Lewis Hezekiah Brown. Sorry, Lewis Hezekiah Brown. He's buried in Caney. He had a son named Lewis Hezekiah um, Brown, Jr., who was born in Havana, which is down the road, and he had a daughter who was Nicole. So, yeah. Oh, it sounds like an excellent trivia question. Well, you know, it's not something we bring up to the children, obviously, but it's it just goes to show what a small world it is. And yes. when my grandmother inherited the farm, she kicked him out. <laughs> he, he was a bit of a hoarder, and they wanted a um, weekend home to go to, you know, in the evenings. And my grandparents lived in Independence, and they would drive every evening to the farm. And then my grandfather was, um, he was a brigadier general in the Marines in World War II in Korea, and then he was an oil cattle rancher after that. So he really worked the farm, and... um then they took care of the little house on the prairie in their um, retirement years. So, um, uh, and and I think there there used to be people still living in the house the first time I visited, but it's been part of the site in terms of office and gift shop for a while now. Yes, yes. Um, in the eighties, it was still used as my grandparents kind of weekend home, um, and then uh, in the 90s, late 90s, it turned into the gift shop. So um, we've worked really hard on it over the last few years, and it's it's really a nice gift shop, and um, that kind of brings up another subject. Um, we've really been, the last two years, really been working on um, our gifts and things that we offer in the gift shop. And um, we we got 10 cups this year, and um, we have blankets and um, mugs and books and all sorts of things, and jellies, and um, we have handmade um, mugs that are used on a 17th century wheel. But you mentioned one time that um, right now none of the sites have the the uh, China Shepherdess, and that's something yeah. that we're working on. So. Well, that would be great. Yes, I have. Um, and that was one of my uh, projects over the summer. I was try- I told somebody. Well, all the sites had 
China shepherdesses because they did last time I checked and I went around and checked and right now nobody is selling a China shepherdess. So I am very glad to hear that Independence is working on one. Yeah, we are. And it's going to look a thousand percent different than anything in the past. Um, it's more of a lifelike one. And, um, you know, the same colors. It's, it's, it looks like a China shepherdess, but um, it's going to look different than all the other ones that have come out. So um, That's good because it's good to look different on my shelf with all of them. <laughs> and we have a toy designer out of Oklahoma that works. It's, he, he actually helped us design the dolls that we had um, in the early 2000s. And we'd like to bring those back. We're also working on a few other projects um, that, with designers and and with, uh, we have a Amy Taylor out of grass grassroots uh, design firm in Independence is working on a few things for us, some some more dolls and um, some more toys. So, um, what else? We we bought. 2,510 uh, cups uh, this season from China um, because we just couldn't find anywhere in America to make them. And uh, they're on a ship right now coming in. And um, I actually make a lot of, oh, the ornaments. Um, we uh, took the original Helen Sewell um, illustrations and colored them and uh, then put them um, on ornaments and magnets so we have the original illustrations um colored and they're really pretty and uh we're working on different things like that and then we make our own mugs with pictures on them and jewelry we have necklaces and rings and keychains that i actually make (laughs) um and we have a sublimation printer that uh helps us uh, and then a heat press, and we make all of our own T-shirts and bags and things like that. So we're really we're working on our online store, and we have a coffee roaster. Um, my cousin Mary, uh, Bill's daughter, has her own coffee shop, and um, so we offer like 25, 30 different varieties of uh, hand roasted coffee. So like coffee beans and. Uh, ground up and, and stuff. So that's on the website. But okay. So what's your uh, most popular item right now? What's selling the best? I would say the magnets. The magnets, we have um, also another line of magnets that like cabins and sunrise and the postage stamp. And um, T-shirts are always popular. Um, we have a couple new – oh, the cookbook um, – I redid, my grandmother had two editions of a cookbook that had her family and um, recipes and then recipes from Wayside in it. And then what she did was she put history of um, antique uh, cooking equipment. Like I'm not a cook, so, um, you know, like you picture like an antique iron, but this would be like cooking equipment and um it has the history of that in it and then it has Laura's history and the history of the site. So um, I took that and I kind of redid it and um added more history, 
my grandparents' history, I added it's in color and black and white. So it's got a coffee book table version and color and a black and white version. And um, I added like several, uh, or maybe a hundred more pictures. And it's really cool and it's going really well. And then um, there's another, we created that on, on Amazon's Create Space. And then um, there's we. I got this. Um, this woman wrote me her. It wrote wrote to me and mailed her kind of um, college project that she worked on for. It's really not a college project. She said she'd worked on it for seven years, and um, it's a chronological timeline. There's two books. It's a chronological timeline of the Wilders and then of Laura's family. You know the Ingalls. And it goes back, um, the Wilder book goes back to the 17th century, and I'm not sure how long the Ingalls book goes back, but those are available on Amazon, and I took those to Laura Palooza this year, and um, they sold out there. And um, so one's called The Wilders, and the other's called, um, it's got a different title. It's like... um, I'll ha- I'll have to look it up, but anyway, so we we we're working on a couple new books too, um, one on Helen Sewell, and one on um, the Garth Williams illustrations. So, so if um, I guess I should have looked right before I came on, but I haven't guess looked lately. So is pretty much everything online on your online store now, or if they're interested in in some of this stuff, how would uh, they do it if they can't come to the site right now? Well, we've got a lot of stuff on the online store, but I'm going to be working on it um, very soon for the Christmas season, and um, in the next couple weeks, I'll have everything on the online store. So... um, People will be able to purchase things for the Christmas season this year, and and we're also wanting to beef up the history and get more picture beef beef up our website basically. So um, another cool thing um, is the illustrations. Uh, we got we bought from an L in Los Angeles auction house. Uh, 83 original print proofs with um, Garth Williams' signature on them, and then three illustrations from uh, once in charcoal from Little House in the Big Woods, and one is in um, pencil from Little Town on the Prairie, and um, another, there's another one. But the 83 print proofs are all from Little House on the Prairie, the book. And it's really interesting, his process, when he was creating, this is what the auction house told us, and they got them from the um, estate of Garth Williams. Yeah. And they said that he would create an illustration and then send it to Harper Brothers. And then Harper Brothers would turn it into a print proof and send it back. When they sent it back, he would either approve it or change it and make notes and then send it back to them, and then it turned into the book. 
And um, so these are the 83 original illustration print proofs from that process from the book Little House on the Prairie. So. Well, and uh, I think you told me that you recently were able to pay off the uh, debt for that. Oh, yes, yes. We were on a payment program with uh, the L.A. Auction House, and we were recently able to pay that off. And then we've been fundraising for the cabin to, redo, to rebuild the cabin, and that's been very arduous, arduous because um, when my grandparents built it, it was just a bunch of people, let's build a cabin, okay. Um, now things have changed. We had to go through this long process just to get a um, work zone, just to get it, uh, like, because it's zoned agriculture, we had to get it zoned as tourist. So we finally got that, and then we had the, the city <laughs> made us do, um, we had to get architectural blueprints, and then they wanted us to get an uh, engineering feasibility. This is to get the permit to build it. Um, they wanted to have, and this is a cabin with no AC, no gas, no water, no electricity. It's just like four walls and a roof. And they wanted an like architectural. It sounds like your county is even worse than ours. Uh, here, uh, at least if you're on a farm, they will grandfather a building in, but. Uh, if you're replacing one. So that sounds like you're even right. more strident than we are, which I did not think possible. So I'm yeah. sorry. And so that's why people are like, I don't understand why it's so expensive. And it's like, well, we had to spend $10,000 on architectural blueprints, and then they wanted an engineering feasibility study, and then we had to have an architect sign off on on the drawings and the plans and the engineering feasibility study. And then that's not even counting paying someone to build it. So we've gotten past all that, and um, we are um, talking to uh, several people about the next step of building it. And um, hopefully in March uh, of next year we can get to that next step. So, if anybody wants to see the original replica, they better go before the end of the season this year. What is the end of the, your season? November 1st. November 1st. So, you have still about a month if you want to plan a frantic trip down to Independence to see the original replica cabin. Now, if somebody does come, uh, well, well, first off, what are, are your hours if somebody's coming? Well, we're open right normally during the, the summer we're open on Mondays but now uh, since school has started we are open Tuesday through Sunday 10 to 5 and we've been we've got about $30,000 worth of grants this year and we were able to get new signage on lots of our signs and added add new signs to the tour um, as well as during prairie days this year which is always the second um, Saturday in June, uh, we had a master carver come out and take two trees and turn them into two statues. And we've got one of Laura, and she's in front of the gift shop, and she's like, I don't know, seven years old. 
and then another one, and she's you know has her bonnet and her dress, and it's really pretty. And then the other one is of a Native American with a full head headdress, and um, that is on the path to the cabin. So we were able to get those grants, and then we we redid our brochure, and then we got postcard, new postcards, and um, what else? The signs and the statues. So those are all grants. And then um, we're working on the cabin, and oh, and then um, next to the schoolhouse, there are these long poles, and there used to be birdhouses in the shape of the buildings on those, and we're rebuilding the birdhouses. So we've got the schoolhouse birdhouse up, and um, I've got the farmhouse uh, ready to go up, and then we will either do the cabin, barn, or post office for the third one, and we'll get those up. And then I wanted to thank um, Nancy Cleveland, Barbara Walker, Susan Dugan, and Judith Pogue for all donating to the cabin restoration. Um, we really appreciate everybody that's donated, and Ray Woods, but we've, we appreciate everyone that has donated to the cabin, but um, I wanted to thank those people in specifically because they gave quite a bit. So it's really been a, a process of everybody um, coming together to rebuild it, and um, we just appreciate all the support that we've gotten from everybody. And and to go back to that a minute, you're just not trying to do the cabin. You're adding a barn, right, or stable? Yeah. Right now we're we're looking at March to build the cabin, and then later in the season work on the barn. The it's called a foxtrot barn, and it is uh, you've got two stalls for Pet and Patty on each side, and then it's open in the middle. And um, we got that from the original illustrations by Garth Garth Williams in the book. And uh, to our knowledge, it's never been done before. So we're really excited about that. Well, barns and sheds are do kind of get left out of a lot of the rebuilding, I'm sorry to say, because I think they're an important part of the story. So I'm glad you're including it in the rebuild. Yeah. Well, you know, we originally found, and, you know, who, who knows if it's really Pet and Patties, but Pet and Patty were Mustangs and tiny. They were smaller uh, horses. And we found two in the in the 60s um, in the dirt. We found two horseshoes that are much smaller and like that, like Mustang horseshoes. And those are on display um, at the site. So... Maybe we put those in the barn or something. But, oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, the illustrations. A lot of people were concerned about security um, because we're a small site and a lot of the buildings are not manned individually. Um, They were concerned about security and where we would put the illustrations. And we totally understand that. And we, well, one, we're going to have a gala event to unveil them in February at the History Museum in Independence. And that's going to be emceed by my Uncle Bill Curtis. 
and it's to continue with um, fundraising uh, for the barn and um, the, not the cabin, but the barn. The not to be confused with the big barn, but the small barn and the cabin, basically. Um, but anyway, to get the finishing touches on the cabin and um, the we're going to unveil them then. And then we're going to send them to KU, and either KU or WSU. Um, we're still in talks with different um, universities, but we're going to see if um, some of these local universities in Kansas that have curation departments and museum studies departments would be able to secure them in their um, art galleries until we can secure them ourselves. because. We want them to be seen, but we also don't want them to be stolen. So um, we understand people's concern, and we we weren't just going to put them up in the schoolhouse and let people rip them off. So, um, but at the same time, we want people to be able to see them. So that is always a problem with museums: is that balance between access and security. Yeah. So, anyway, it's we've been a lot more active in the last couple years um, with trying to go to things. Like I said, we went to Laura Palooza this year. We went to Mansfield two weeks ago for the 150th birthday party for Laura. Um, and we're trying to – we've been going – oh, we went to South Dakota for the um, – Pioneer Perspectives book uh, release, and we had a table there. We had a table at Laura Palooza. So we're trying to um, be more active in the Laura world with the other sites, and um, I've been to several meetings with the other sites uh, where we kind of um, discuss what's working and what's not working and our problems and successes. And so, like you said earlier, um, Independence, the site, has not been – maybe as vocal in the past or as not had as much exposure as some of the other sites. And so we're trying to change that basically. And we're trying to um, be more active in helping researchers and people that want to know more of the history and um, our, our local independence uh, historical society is very good. And then there's the Kansas state historical society, which is also good. And we're really trying to change things, and eventually we'd like to build another building to house the illustrations that would be manned and have the gift shop in there and then turn the the house into an 1880s house, what it would look like in the 1880s. So, oh, we also have uh, about 10 rescue equine horses, miniature horses, and miniature donkeys. And a funny story well, I, I'm from the city, and I went and taught in Coffeyville for a while, and some of the kids were like, would you like to go to the horse sale? And I'm like, sure. And and so when I went, it was a slaughter sale, and these animals were being sold for slaughter. And I was like, oh. So I came home with ten, well, actually nine, um, minute, four or five miniature donkeys, three miniature horses, and two regular horses and then um brought them to little house and they get 
they're petted and you know they just they stay in the corral and the kids really love them and then the other day not the other day last year we came and we were like one two three four five one two three wait we have too many where did this one come from and somebody dumped their donkey at the little house on the prairie and so hmm. we have an extra donkey now so somebody just was like, uh, they couldn't take care of him, and they thought Little House was a good place for him, so they just dumped him with the other donkey. <laughs> well, so. sadly that happens. People seem to think that you can just drop animals somewhere in the country and they'll be fine. Which well, we're happy the that <laughs> they dumped him with us and not just in the in a pasture somewhere to starve, you know. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's kind of get back to what um, what people do if they come and visit. Now, uh, two things I always like to point out for people is uh, parking and bathrooms, because they're always concerned about that. And you guys do have uh, a nice set of bathrooms on the site. Um, and uh, parking, do you have a lot yet, or are you still parking along the road? Well, it's not really quite on the road. It's um, an indention into the land, and um, parking is never really an issue. Um, and then we've got the nice bathrooms, and people come in. It's three dollars an adult and per adult, and one dollar per child. So it's pretty economically reasonable. And they come in, and they can either pay at the um, there's a little post with, if we're closed, we, we let people, if they can't get there in time when we're open, people can walk around the site, um, after we're closed, but they pay in the gift shop normally, and then it's a self-guided tour, and it includes the well, um, behind, you kind of start at the barn, and you read the signs, and we also have um, one of the grants we got was we put up quotes by Laura all over, um, signed, signs of quotes of Laura's. So you've got the history signs and then the quote signs. And you start at the barn and the, the um, barn quilt, and then you go behind the house where the well is. And then you go and you pass the statues and stuff. And then you go to the cabin, and the cabin is, is still open. Um, sometimes they put like a rope in front of it, but you can still peer in and see everything. And, um, then they continue on to the post office and the schoolhouse. So, uh, and then that you can go inside each building. So, uh, and that is again um, the one room schoolhouse with the original equipment, which is a lovely, nice, big schoolhouse. Uh, and I spoke there uh, when I was down the last time, and it was a very nice facility. Some one room schools are pretty small, but this is a nice, big, spacious one. Uh, then there is the uh, Wayside Post Office from the town of Wayside, which was nearby. Uh, and then there's the cabin itself and the farmhouse, which has got the gift shop inside. And then the barn, which has the, the rescued animals. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, and the prairie. You can you can't I don't think you can walk on the prairie, but you can look at some uh prairie that is undisturbed. Yeah. Virgin you prairie can they walk. call it. Um, oh, there's, you no, walk there's it? no fence. Yeah, there's there's no fence. Okay. So um you can cross the street and go and when you look across the street, um, away from the site, you really get a sense of what it looked like during Laura's time. Um, a lot of farms around here have trees that the farmers have planted or that are germinated from other trees that the farmers have planted. And this section doesn't have any trees, and you can really see what um, it looked like during, you know, pristine prairie. So, And then Laura talks about the hills, and um, it's, all, it's all there, I mean, uh the the hill behind wayside um is still there and and so it really to me looks like a lot of of what it was like for Laura at the time well i find it so interesting how close the Garth Williams illustrations come to what it looks like there the hills and everything when he didn't actually find the right site he was looking exactly. around in in Oklahoma, and yet it still looks incredibly like the site. So I always mm-hmm. think that is really cool. Well, in Caney, on the Caney's three miles away, or around that, and on the other side of Caney is Oklahoma. So I'm not sure how far in Oklahoma he went, but um, Oklahoma, we're really close to the Oklahoma border. So um, I think and, maybe uh, he was nearby so um what we're almost out of time see that you didn't you you were worried about us filling an hour weren't you and we just got about (laughs) six minutes left so um why don't you tell us what other things are around that little house people might be interested i think there's a couple graves especially oh uh dr tan's grave is an independence um we recently found out that um, two of the Bender's uh, victims, um, if you look up the the Bender murders in Cherryville, two of the victims are buried on our farm. Um, and we don't know. They're in un- unmarked graves um, that were on the Gilmore property. The Gilmores were the mm-hmm. parent, the mother-in-law and father-in-law of the, the victims, the Longcores, and we're pretty sure they're on there somewhere. And... Um, then you've got Dr. Tan and Independence, and um, there's the Osage Museum in Pahuska um, and the Osage Historical Society. But if you go to Independence, they've got a lovely park, a huge park, and there's the History Museum there. And Independence, there's a lot of stuff to do there. Uh, and there's also a plaque that was put in the county courthouse in honor of the little house. Um, connection. That was one of the first things they did for it. And also uh, Edmund Mason's grave is nearby where you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's in Harrisonville with my grandparents, actually. Um, My grandparents passed away. And um, he is, Harrisonville is like a mile away from our site. And uh, he's up there. And and so um, Near the top no of one, a very rocky hill. Yeah, yes. And no one knows where Dr. Tan's parents are buried. Um, it's a mystery. So 
they may be on the farm as well. So, <laughs> so uh, we are really quickly getting out of time, but I think we've gone through pretty much everything that is on my list. Well, there's one thing that I, I didn't ask about, and um, that was cattle trails. Were there too many cattle trails around you, or was it odd that this herd came through that Pa helped with? I th- well, they talked about that at Laura Palooza, the cattle trails. I am not sure. Um, there were a lot of wagon trails around us. Um, the Black Dog Trail and the Cherokee Trail were just a few miles away. And um, then there was a stagecoach route, a stagecoach route that um, would have come near. And I, I don't, I don't think it was a total anomaly that the um, cattle trail came through, but I do think it was um, probably out of the ordinary. So um, that is something we need to research more: is the cattle trails. Okay. All right, then with that, we are down to about two minutes. So is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we didn't get covered today? Well, um, our email address is lhopmuseumks at gmail.com, and our website is littlehouseontheprairiemuseum.com. And if anybody has any questions or, you know, interests or anything, just you drop us a line and, and we'll uh, reply to you. And we've got about a month of the season left. So if anybody wants to see the original replica cabin, you've got about a month to do it. And my uh, annual Christmas shopping guide will be coming out. Hopefully I'm going to aim for October this year, the second half of October. Not sure if I'll make it, but that's my goal. And I'll be sure to talk about some of this stuff and have the link for the site on that because it's never too soon to start Christmas shopping. And I think um, then do you want to give, I know you just said it, but do you want to give the website and email one more time in case people were writing down frantically? Okay, it's the Little House on the Prairie Museum dot com and l h o p museum k s at gmail dot com and I just want to thank you so much for having me on here and and um talking about the site. It was really fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and maybe when you get the cabin up and we got some more stuff to talk about, we will have to have you back all right sounds good and and I am sure I will see you online again fairly shortly. All right. Well, thank you so much. And with that, I want everybody to remember to brighten the corner where you are.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 